Uh, good evening everyone, good to see you. Um, tonight we're going to have a look at uh, Joseph. I think we had a look at Abraham last time. Oh, here's, here's a young man, Joseph, and uh, Genesis 37. I will read the passage from his life story. It occupies quite a lot of Genesis from about chapter 37 through to chapter... Uh, well, really to the end of the book, chapter 50, a whole big chunk of Genesis given to Joseph. The three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the twelve sons of Jacob. And there's a major interest in uh, Joseph. So we'll read chapter 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I have had. We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and because of what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. 
So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down, as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So, when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the system and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the system and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. Well, there was no DNA testing in those days. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Isn't that fascinating to read the Old Testament narratives? Uh, I just love the storylines of the Old Testament. Um, Actually, this was the first passage I ever studied in Hebrew. It was a set text for the the BD preliminary exam in 1961 and uh, it was a great thrill for me to be involved in this, it might not be thrilling to you, but to us we were all in the grammar class till Christmas and only those who passed the exam at Christmas were allowed to continue so there were a hundred of us in the class up to Christmas and twelve after Christmas all the rest failed, 88 failed and we got called the rabbis and after the, the Christmas uh, we, were, we started on this passage you know and uh, the narrative of Joseph's life is just wonderful there was a, a great man in history in uh, England called Oliver Cromwell. He was a protector of all England. He actually he was a farmer. And when he finished uh, all his battles in the English Civil War, they wanted him to be king. He actually was offered the kingship. Did you know that? He was offered the job of king and he turned it down and back to his farm. Uh, that was Oliver Cromwell, an outstanding individual. And one day when he was in the height of his fame, it was suggested that they paint a portrait of him, you know. And so he went to the the portrait painter, and he wasn't a pretty man, he wasn't a handsome guy, you know, he was. And the the man he was about to paint him said to Cromwell, "Eh, how shall I paint you, Mr Cromwell, you know? 
and uh, he said, paint me as I am, warts and all. <laughs> he apparently had a lot of warts in his face, uh, had Cromwell. And the Bible is so wonderfully realistic. It paints even its heroes with their warts on, you know. Um, we see the worst of Joseph. He's a big-headed loudmouthed, young, proud guy, isn't he, in that narrative? Uh, he shows up like that, and how God God tamed him, and God turned him round, and how he triumphed over all his disasters, and under God, he produced a, a 14-year plan for the agricultural survival of not only the land of Egypt, but the whole of the nations of the Fertile Crescent, uh, and uh, his brothers it's a wonderful story uh, part of the, the story is um, he, he meets up with his brothers and is restored to his old fa- mourning father and he says you meant to do me evil but God meant it for good You know, there was a point in my ministry when I nearly gave up and I heard a preacher preaching in that text uh, he was an American preacher who was the minister of Westminster Chapel. I can't remember his name. Then do remember his name? R.T. Kendall. And uh, he preached in that. And after I heard him preaching, I said, I'm not giving up. <laughs> I'm going to carry on. And uh, I met him at um, Glasgow Bible College uh, graduation a few years later and I got him at the door and I said you don't know this but you know that I said for your encouragement I was on the point of giving up Christian ministry um, and going back to the steelworks and uh, you by that text God spoke to me and I stayed on you know thank you very much so that, that was R.T. Kendall so we're introduced to Egypt tonight and Egypt's quite important in the Old Testament. He was taken to Egypt and sold as a slave to Potiphar. There are over 500, probably about 550 references to Egypt in the Old Testament. Um, and the folk who lived in Egypt had a, a definite characteristic look. They were generally short, brown-skinned, uh, stiff brown hair, the, 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 the kind of native Egyptian. And uh, and there's a bit of an argument about whether or not they were dark, really dark skinned because in Numbers 12:1 it tells us that Moses married uh, a Cushite woman and some folk think she was from uh, the southern part of Egypt and maybe a, a, a black lady, you know, a negro um, and their the, the language was influenced by North African dialects apparently and the Hebrew name for Egypt is Mitzrayim. And in Hebrew they have, you know how we have a singular and plural in English language? Well they have three numbers. They have singular, plural and dual. Dual means anything that uh, occurs naturally in pairs. In I am pair of eyes or in I am pair of ears, you know. Pair of lips. Well, it's rhyme. The I-M ending is the dual ending. You don't get a lot of dual endings, as you can guess. Um, but uh, the im is the plural. Im, I-M is the dual. And it's rhyme. 
refers probably to Upper and Lower Egypt. You know how the, the River Nile is, is regarded in two sections, and the, the Egyptians were the same, Upper and Lower Egypt. Um, they were divided until about 3200 BC when they, they were united together. And it was a famous area, you know, for the pyramids and the Sphinx and all. 1799, when Napoleon Bonaparte invaded Egypt, he took with him a team of the, the real clever guys, the intellectuals, the scientists and all that. And one of his captains, a man called Captain Bouchard, discovered this uh, special stone called, they call it the Rosetta Stone because the Nile divides, there's a tributary called the Rosetta of the Nile. And they found this uh, Rosetta Stone and it was it had stuff on it in three different languages. One was Greek, but the other two were Egyptian dialects. dialects. Um, one dialect was called Demotic Egyptian. That is Egyptian that the ordinary people you know, we've got democracy. Demotic Egypt, Egyptian was the, the language the ordinary people spoke. And then there was hieroglyphic Egyptian. That was pictographic writing. Um, and hieroglyphs. Uh, and that was priestly writing. You had to be very clever to know that. And uh, Bouchard produced this. He found this amazing Rosetta Stone and uh, Napoleon uh, handed it over to uh, eventually um, there was a man called Champion and another guy called Young and the two of them combined and <clears throat> they were able to work from the Greek to the two other scripts and say this was the same information in three sections and it gave them a key to all the wonderful writing of the ancient Egyptians an amazing civilization. Uh, the, the whole land was dominated by the river Nile, as you know, which flooded the whole land and produced, left a tremendous silt and uh, made Egypt a very fertile country. And the Egyptians actually developed a system of irrigation. Um, but the month of June, uh, every year, the Nile flooded. And there were 30 dynasties in the history of Egypt, and way back. And to try and place Joseph, Joseph was probably around 1880 BC, before Christ, 1880 BC, the best scholars date uh, Joseph. And uh, his life, we haven't time to deal with his whole life tonight, I'll be here till midnight or on later than that, and you wouldn't want that. But you can find... <coughs> Uh, a summary of each of Jacob's sons in the blessings in Genesis 49. If you look at chapter 49, you get um, a verdict on Joseph. Each one of Jacob's sons um, is a, a prophecy or a prediction or a statement about his life which summarizes how they're going to live. And here's 22. Verse 22 of chapter 49. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. <laughs> Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. And uh, 
Here he was, Jacob's favourite son. Um, and three things we'll say because the time's going, I don't want to kill you with history. <laughs> but three things about him. First of all, there was a well in Joseph's life. There was a well in Joseph's life. Um, chapter 49 and verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine. Uh, and the fruitful vine was near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Um, so there was a well. Near a spring, a well or a spring, there's a difference actually if, you, if you're hair splitting. Um, a well's static water and a spring's dynamic water, living water, flowing water. Um, wells static water but anyway there's a well in his life uh, the well speaks of a hidden source of, source of strength that he had and the source of his strength was the God who gave him life and the God who preserved him at every turn because he, he met a whole lot of hazards in his life and a whole lot of difficulties when he went into the service of Potiphar Potiphar's wife got him into trouble by false accusation um, she was an evil woman and everywhere he went and everything he did eventually he was, he was just blessed by the Lord you know, it tells you when he was in the jail you know, he, was, he was imprisoned falsely by the accusation of Potiphar's wife as you probably know the story and in the jail it says and the Lord was with Joseph, you know. And so, here's an encouragement for us tonight. There's a hidden source of strength behind Joseph. He, there was a well in his life. And that's a wonderful thing. There's a text in Proverbs 18.10, I like it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And we're safe, you know. God is committed to your life and to mine. If we know Jesus Christ as our own Saviour, um, we can be tempted beyond our endurance to resist temptation. We can only be touched by evil within the Lord's permissive will. Um, God protects us. Um, he protects his servants. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Remember, we had, a, we had missionaries uh, when I was on the RBMU Council for 15 years, the Scottish Council of Regions Beyond Missionary Union. We had a couple called Fred Webb, Fred and Ruth Webb. They were absolutely delightful from the south of England. And they worked in Peru. And I had them in the school once, I remember. Uh, they fascinated the children. They brought a scorpion, a dead scorpion, of course, in a big plastic box. And he was in Peru working with Ruth, Ruth at a time when the, the Roman Catholic Church was very strongly against Protestant missionaries and they sometimes tried to kill them. In Fred Webb's case, he had a motorbike. And he was evangelizing in one of these villages in Peru. And when it came night time, 
he was driving out of the village and one of the villagers who came to Christ later told him what it was like that night a group of them had been incited to get armed and to shoot Fred Webb dead coming out of that village on his motorbike and they were all ready and they heard the sound of the motorbike and they said we couldn't touch you because there was an amazing white man on the pillion passage behind you coming out of the village and we, we, we weren't able to fire a shot at you and Fred of course he was on his motorbike he was thinking about that but that was God's protection over Fred Webb in Peru and the Lord protects us he protected Terry Waits um, when he was under captivity and, and badly treated God protected him and he was always sure that he would be delivered from that and God protected Wurmbrand. Have you ever met, met or heard of Robert Wurmbrand in God's Underground? Uh, that's not Wurmbrand. Prisoner for Christ. Uh, and uh, he, was, he was subjected to all sorts of things. I, mean, I spoke to him once at Keswick and he, he told us he had 13 wounds in his body inflicted while he was in Romanian jails. And... Uh, he was, he was, they, they stuck him in, in boxes and hammered nails into them and they, they froze him and then they overheated him and then they turned the light so they couldn't turn day from night and he lost all his uh, bearings in a whole lot of place and, and he didn't know how he was going to survive and he was praying to God and he came to a wonderful solution the solution was he would be able to highlight a Sunday he picked out a day of the week that was to be Sunday and he prepared a sermon he had no Bible with him but he prepared a sermon for every Sunday and hymns for every Sunday and prayers for every Sunday and Wurmbrand used to behave as if he was in the church with the congregation every Sunday and later on he found out some of the guards picked this up and they used to come and remove their boots near his cell and stand outside the door and join in the service. <laughs> the Lord protected Wurmbrand. You know, he was an amazing man. There was a well in Joseph's life. The well speaks of a hidden source of strength. Strength beyond his own capacity. Strength to nourish. Strength to refresh. And the well also speaks of a hidden source of strife because the water from the well has to struggle to get out and, and to, to break free um, when we were in Israel the guide was telling us that the Arabs can tell where there's a, a, a water bearing rock by this, the, 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 the damp section of the strata of the rock where the water has got through and they found its way and they, how they can strike the rock and get water from it you remember God and Moses but Moses spoiled what was to happen by striking the rock remember um, because God just told him to speak to the rock but he struck the rock which wasn't on but you know the water had to struggle 
to emerge, to settle, to gather and to refresh. And our lives will be struggled. We'll have struggles in our lives. No doubt about it. Be sure of it. They who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, the New Testament says. There was a, wa- a, a well in Joseph's life. And then there was a wall in Joseph's life as well as a wall. A well in a wall. And <laughs> that speaks of a protection which God gives to his servants. He builds a wall around us. And it's not easy building walls. In Scotland we've got uh, a skill called dry stain diking. And it's not easy to be a dry stain diker. You need to be skillful to be a dry stain diker. And, and yet when you, when you build a wall it provides protection. There's a protection which God gives to his servants. And the wall defines... The wall shuts out. The wall encloses. You know, it's got various functions of wall. And, and God can build a wall around us. And we can come to God for his protection. We can, we can thank God for the well that is in us. As Jesus, if you read Genesis, John 4, it says to the woman, remember the woman at the well? <laughs> it says to her, listen, Mrs. This is how I put it. But it wasn't strictly like how the text went. Listen, Mrs., I'll build a well inside you. Well, I thought that was accurate, but it's not. I'll build a spring inside you that will well up into everlasting life. And and, and that was the, the work of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. It gives us not only a well to refresh us and to refresh others, but it gives us a wall to protect us. He says... Uh, your, his branches climb over the wall, you know. <laughs> and if you think of the wall as an impediment to action, God can conquer along the walls we want to climb for Him. And sometimes it's amazing, you know. I don't want to speak too personal about Gordon Thompson, but Gordon Thompson has had to climb a lot of walls in his life. And one of them was his need. Um, to improve his linguistic, his language skills. And it's amazing to me. To, I just love to sit and listen to this guy and think, think what he's come from. He did really struggle to learn and to be able to academically cope with becoming a preacher and even with reading the Bible publicly. Always a struggle. But God gives his servants protection and God I said there's definition in the wall when you build a wall um, there's an intention which God has for his servants there because the effort of building the wall is there for a purpose it's there for separation but it's also there for shelter it's also there for defence a wall and God God built a wall into Joseph's life he was a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climbed over the wall so there's a well in Joseph's life and a wall in Joseph's life and there's a wealth in Joseph's life Um, a wealth because Joseph was a fruitful vine and when you examine uh, what he did for Egypt 
he produced a plan, didn't he? We'll, we'll save the grain for seven years and we'll have enough to do this for the seven lean years. Well, seven years of plenty and seven lean years. We'll not be stupid and go daft and waste all our resources in the seven years of plenty. We'll harbour them, we'll preserve them, we'll put them away and store them, and when the, the, the bad times come, we'll be able to draw on the reserves that we have. Um, and so that's what happened and it tells us in the text they came from all over the fertile crescent these lands round about the Mediterranean Sea they all travelled to Egypt and because of Joseph's place in the providence of God of being a fruitful vine they all stayed alive well most of them stayed alive, there was a wealth a fulfilment of God's purpose and an enrichment of others through him there used to be a song in the Billy Graham days, you singing make me a blessing huh? remember that song, make me a blessing to someone today um, and he was a blessing to a whole lot of folk he was actually a blessing to his brothers because through him God faced them up with their hatred of him and with their maltreatment of him and everything was eventually put right when uh, they, they finally met up in Egypt um, there was an enrichment of others an enrichment of his brothers an enrichment of his family old Jacob uh, was overjoyed to be reunited to his favourite son the son of his old age and all of these countries as well as Egypt were blessed through Joseph and uh, although the Pharaoh of the Exodus I'm not sure who it was it was either Sethos the first or Ramesses the second there were great city, treasure cities built in the reign of Ramesses the second I think probably I would favour him um, but uh, as the, 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 the pharaoh of the Exodus, they were what were called the Hyksos pharaohs, uh, the shepherd kings of Egypt. Uh, for 200 years their dynasty reigned um, in the land of Egypt. And God blessed the Egyptians. The folk had put them in prison, the folk had falsely accused them. All the things that had happened to them in Egypt, God looked after them. And God made him a fruitful vine. And isn't it wonderful when God makes us fruitful in his service? Not for our own glory, but for his glory. I mean, I was, um, Graham was telling me about a wee child who came to the Lord recently in the fellowship at home, through the family, through a tract, through the faith mission. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. God can bless, it can reach out in blessing to so many. You don't hear a lot about we children trusting Christ for salvation. In fact, uh, the two I, I had in my memory was one, a five-year-old who was in my class at school. Uh, and he's like, he came to the Lord when he was five. And uh, the other one, I was trying to remember his name. His name was Kevin. I can't remember his second name. But... Uh, he came to the Lord and his mother was washing his knees in the sink when he was four year old. I still following the Lord, that, that, that lad is a fine musician. 
Is he still following the Lord over in Fife? His mother was, his, ma- his dad was one of, one of the deacons at Buckhaven when I was there. Eileen, Kevin, Kevin and Keith, you remember? No, I, I, I can't remember the surname, but uh, he, he came to the Lord when he was four. And the interesting thing to me was that in both cases, in both families, both of these wee children had godly mothers. You know, the, 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 both of these ladies were really godly women. Both of them had, had godly parents, and through the godly parents, God blessed the children. And through the children, God will bless multitudes of other people. It's amazing. There was a wealth in Joseph's life. When you see so many lives that are just totally impoverished, totally unhappy, totally undirected, totally sad, totally wrongly uh, measuring and balancing what is important and what is unimportant in life, then you thank God that in his mercy he's chosen you to belong to him. And he's chosen you to be a source and a resource for God's blessing and glory and to the benefit of other people. And you're so thankful to God for his protection. He builds a wall around you. That's a good thing this week. You don't hide behind the wall, of course, but <laughs> climb over the walls. Um, he builds a wall around you, a wall of protection which God gives to his servants and an intention which God has for his servants and a fulfilment of God's purpose of blessing for each one of us. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over the wall. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess to you that so often our Christian life and our quality is so poor that we're just weary thinking about ourselves, thinking about our failures. And we thank you that in your wonderful mercy you can lift us up. In your wonderful mercy, as we come to you, we discover your mighty Holy Spirit wells up in our lives and give us a sense of the presence and power of God in our lives and blesses us like Joseph was blessed as a, as a, a wonderful, um, gifted, fruitful vine. And we thank you, O oh God, for your care over us, for your protection from so much evil. We thank you. Some of us have to make long journeys and you protect us on our journeys too. And you provide for us in so many ways beyond our imagining. We thank you for this and we pray for this week of life and service into which we've now started um, on the Lord's Day. And we pray for your special care, your special protection, your special blessing to others this week as we draw near to God. We pray that you will draw near to us and bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen.